does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. You're listening to the best of Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Dallas Flowers back deep to receive, and the Colts what? block a punt. It's hanging in the air. The Colts pick it up. House down the far sideline, the 10, the 5, a touchdown for the Colts. Backing to throw, lobs it in the end zone, and it's caught for a touchdown by Deion Jackson. The Bluebirds out in full force on a Saturday in Minneapolis. The Vikings are getting housed at the moment. It's 16 to nothing. Back to work here. KJ Osborne goes in motion to the left side. Ball in the far hash. Cousins out of the gun. Backs to throw. Stands in the pocket. Throws it up. Picked off by the Colts. 10, 5, touchdown. Defensive score. Julian Blackman picks it off. It is 29 to nothing. Are we having fun yet? Cousins looks that way. Fires into the end zone. Wide open at the pylon. And that's Osborne for a touchdown. Cousins to pass. He's got time. He throws it left side. It's caught. It's a walk-in touchdown for Jefferson. He beats Stephon Gilmore on the outside. And Jefferson finds the end zone. He's doing the dance. And now it is 36-20 to 20 with 12 minutes and 53 seconds to go in the fourth quarter. And the Vikings have touchdowns on their last three drives. They throw in the end zone. Wide open. A touchdown. That's Adam Thielen for the score. Under center goes Matt Ryan. Hands off to a running back at the line of scrimmage. He is hit. He falls forward. And he lost the ball. It's picked up by the Vikings. Quarterback sneak for Matt Ryan. Everybody's pushing him towards the first down marker right at the 35-yard line. Ruling on the field that the runner's probably to stop short of the line of game stand. Oh, jeez. Cousins backs the throw. Quick throw. It's caught. Uh, running back screened, and it's Cook. Cuts back. He's at the 50. He's in the clear. 30. He's at the 20. Makes another man miss. He's at the 10. He's at the 5. Going forward, and he's into the end zone for a touchdown. It is 36-34. Cousins looking left. Hitching, firing, end zone, throws, two-point conversion is good, T.J. Hawkinson, and this is unbelievable. The Vikings have outscored the Colts here in the second half, 36-3, to and we're tied at 36. We're tied at 36, and this to win the game for Greg Joseph. Now, placement, kick is on its way, plenty of distance, and it is... Good. Largest comeback in NFL history. 33 nothing at halftime. That's rare here. You're on the wrong side of history. Yeah. You're on the wrong side Indeed it is rare air. Very accurate from the owner of the Colts, Jim Ursay, as his organization is in shambles currently as they close out the 2022 season. The upper quartile of upper quartile in historic losses has been the name of the game. Uh, And in my opinion, the season has gone from the most disappointing in the Ursay era to the most embarrassing in the Ursay era. Good Monday morning to you, Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, and Mark Dykton. Jake, I find myself thinking, and I guess I thought this after several weekends this year, um, thank the Lord for Purdue basketball, right? Yeah, I'll I'll tell you what, I was terrified. Um, And Purdue, by the way, I mean, credit to Davidson. Yeah, hanging around and giving them mm-hmm. a run, but Purdue making plays down the stretch. But uh, I was really worried in that Colts game. 
we went to the Yuletide on Saturday. Of course, original. Oh, we went last tickets. night. Did you? What'd you think? Uh boy, I I want that violinist Kevin Lynn to see if he could play quarterback this weekend. Yeah, he's great, right? And he's, how about the hula hoop guy? Could the hula, Jonathan Taylor out? Can the hula hoop the guy? The hula hoop guy play? was great, but I have to admit, like it kind of was. It was like, wait a minute, where did this come from? It kind of. I, I thought he was so good, though. I could just watch him the whole. I time. mean, it was pretty amazing, but. Um, I was worried sick, and and credit and kudos and tip of the hat and the streets of Indianapolis should look like the streets of Buenos Aires this morning because I thought the Colts were going to screw around and and lose out in that game. I I, I was worried sick. They got up thirty three nothing, and I thought they are. What are they doing? What are they doing? They are going to lose everything that's right there at their fingertips and. Credit to them. I mean, to have the resiliency, the guts, the fortitude, the leadership of men to reach down deep inside and still allow Minnesota to keep them within the striking distance of the top six in the draft. It takes a special skill set to be able to do it that way. And kudos and credit to the Colts for finding the real victory and seizing it and not letting it slip between their fingertips. So uh, it was a good day on West 56. You know how many shots Michael Jordan's missed? You know how many games Michael Jordan's lost? The reality is, Kevin... That was textbook entertainment from Jeff Saturday, right? Yeah, the reality is, though, that winning that game would have done them nothing, right? Yeah, it would move them, I think, to ninth in the draft position. Right now, they're sixth. They could actually move up another spot tonight. Uh, cheer for the Packers. Or, excuse me, cheer for the Rams to beat the Packers on Monday Night Football. That would push the Colts one more spot up. I... I don't know how big the section of the fan base is, Jake. I mean, maybe it's not very big, but I did hear from some people on Saturday that were saying, I get the draft position order, but to have that embarrassment and that stain, and now you are the butt of jokes for years to come until this happens, there is, I think, it's probably a small section of the fan base that's like, I don't want that. I mean, yesterday, did you see like the memes when Argentina was blowing their lead? It was, oh, does Jeff Saturday manage the Argentine national yeah, team? I, I mean, obviously, the Matt Colts Ryan. The Colts logo on the Argentina flag, the Matt Ryan, you know, jokes of the Super Bowl. And obviously, that I mean, his wife was tweeting about it yesterday. Um, again, it's probably a small section, but I do think uh, there is some fan, there are some fans that feel that way. There are others that I think look at Saturday and think, I'm talking about the game, not, not the human, think that was the perfect loss. Because in no way, shape, or form can Jim Mersey think about running it back with any of the parties involved right now. Because of that embarrassment, one game after, you had a similar embarrassment on national television. If you look at the last two games, Saturday, you blew the biggest lead in the history of the NFL. Uh, league's been going on for, what, 102 years? The game before that, in Dallas, you gave up 33 in the fourth quarter. You scored none in the fourth quarter. That was the biggest fourth quarter margin the NFL has seen in 97 years. Did you say rare air, Mark? Yeah. Yeah, 97 years and 102 years. And you know what matters to Jim? That's rare air. National TV for both of those games. He is... Got on his knees, frankly, to the NFL saying, we need to get on national television. We deserve it. Why are we not having more primetime games? 
Well, there you go. Solo slot Sunday night football with the Cowboys. Solo slot Saturday afternoon with the Vikings. And you can hang banners in your stadium for how historic those losses are. The the other thing, and I know that this was pointed out by a lot of people, but it is pretty coincidental, ironic, whichever way you want to look through the lens. But how bad do the Colts dislike Frank Reich? I'm, I'm saying that facetiously just so people know. Um you want to ki- talk about kicking a guy while he's down. We're going to give you the opportunity to coach an NFL team and be the head coach, and then we're going to basically completely undercut you by putting in a quarterback change that you didn't ask for, and we're going to skip over the one guy that you wanted to bring in because the last guy you wanted to bring in we got rid of. So now we're going to not only – fire you as head coach but the the second highest point of your resume the the highest being you were the offensive coordinator for a Super Bowl champion the second thing on your resume says I quarterback the largest comeback in NFL history so the Colts went out there and said you know what we can't let Frank Reich have that record anymore let's get out to a big lead and let's make sure that we let some other quarterback boot Frank Reich from the history books and allow the largest comeback in NFL history to happen against us I mean, that's kicking a guy while he's down. Are you allowed to fire an interim head coach? <laughs> sure. Shouldn't Bubba Ventrone coach this team the final three games? So you're ready to to punt on the Jeff Saturday well, What's experience? the one unit, Jake, that shows up every week? What's the one group that's been the most consistent for you in five years? Yeah. Who's the guy that, when the Frank Reich firing was announced, that I certainly was clamoring for? And when you watch Jeff Saturday on the sidelines, who is he talking to? Who is he consulting with? It's always Bubba Ventrone. Like it's just it's such an embarrassment. The fact that they're going to be in national television again a week from tonight um, is absolutely amazing. Um, and again, sixth in the draft order, Matt Ryan and the passing offense continues to look like. Uh, just an archaic unit that can't move the ball whatsoever down the field. And I don't know how you felt, Jake, going back and watching it, or Mark, if you were watching it live. Did, I just got this feeling. Like at halftime, what did I do? Opened up my BetMGM app, and I looked at the Vikings' money line. I thought to myself, you know what? I don't feel like this lead is safe at all. 33 to nothing. Didn't feel like it was safe whatsoever. Obviously, I didn't have the you-know-what to pull the, uh, the the old trigger. What, what was the money line at that Plus point? Plus $3,500. Well, $10 bet to win three fifty. And you get to the third quarter, and again, it, it happened to me late first half. You started coaching scared. Two-minute warning comes. The Colts are moving the ball down the field. Looks like they're going to punch in another touchdown. Five straight run plays after the two-minute warning. No team does that. They open up the second half. They get to Minnesota territory on their first two possessions of the second half. And the old give-up play is the old, hey, let's throw a wide receiver screen. That's the Colts' give-up play here in 2022. They run both of those to start the third quarter there. And at this point, I just felt like you could just feel it. You could feel it all of a sudden starting to churn a little bit. And lo and behold... The avalanche comes. And Minnesota still threw a pick. I mean, it's not like Kirk Cousins was absolutely perfect in the second half. He still throws an interception, and yet they're they're able to execute the greatest comeback in NFL history. And you know, one of the wilder things, Jake, watching the end of that game, 
The Vikings were like, oh yeah, we were playing for the tie there at the end. Oh yeah, no question. They were moving like very slowly no on that final no drive. A tie would have clinched the NFC North. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh wow, the Colts are allowing us to move the ball down the field. Oh, they're going to commit another stupid penalty here. Um, an undisciplined nature with 11 penalties on Saturday. And they're like, oh, might as well try the game-winning field goal and clinch it with a victory. And they do it. Yeah, the delay of game by like sitting on the on top of players that Jefferson's trying to get up. I mean... You know, the good news is if you're a Colts fan, you could have turned over to see what Indiana was doing in Lawrence, right? Oh, man. Is the book out on Indiana? Collapse in on Trace Jackson Davis and force shooters to, to beat you? And you do feel bad because obviously Xavier Johnson was hurt. But. Yeah, and that doesn't sound good. I've heard some rumors of broken foot on that. We'll see how long Xavier Johnson's going to miss. I mean, you, you hear that and you think that's a huge chunk of the Big Ten season, potentially longer. Jake... I, I know it's low-hanging fruit, and I apologize, and I did this last week when Ryan Walters was hired. By the way, uh, you said Thursday morning, Mark, for Ryan Walters? Correct. Purdue head football coach going to join us in the 9 o'clock hour coming up on Thursday. Jake, you watch how Purdue throws the ball into Zach Eady, and then how Zach Eady handles a double team every single time the ball is thrown to him. And then you watch Indiana, who for the entire week, it's it's widely known that Kansas, that's their go-to. Double, double, double. We're going to double the post. They're not very big. I mean, I don't think they had a start over 6'8". And yet you watch Indiana and Trace Jackson Davis handle the obvious scouting report, and then you watch Purdue and Zach Eady handle the obvious scouting report. They could not be on two different ends of the spectrum and how they're coached and how their players execute the game plan that they know is coming at them every single game. Trace Jackson Davis, who's a wonderful college player, nice young man, been a good ambassador for Indiana basketball, but Indiana fans that think that Trace Jackson Davis, like last year, when Trace Jackson Davis, you know, when it's like, I'm coming back, you know, I'm, I'm going to skip the draft and come back to Indiana. Look, you saw in that Kansas game, you saw in the Arizona game why Trace Jackson Davis is not a lottery pick. I, I mean, he's probably, based on just experience and maturity, he probably has played his way into the late first, early second round. Oh, but geez, that's not, really I, yeah, overly optimistic. I, I better not be the one running that draft. Yeah, that's really overly optimistic. I mean, he's probably... Three weeks ago, he probably had played his way into like the the late 20s. He's probably played his way back out of it because he just doesn't have the lateral quickness, bottom line. You know, and again, Indiana's got to be able to shoot the ball from the outside if he's not performing. Yeah, I think what's kind of extra disappointing about Indiana's start, Jake, is again, they brought back so many guys. They brought back such a big core from last year that you should expect to handle some of these environments. It's not like Kansas got all five starters back from the national title team. It's not like Arizona last week had five starters back from their number one over or their number one seed from the previous season. And yet you go into both of those environments. And again, these are the environments that you, you, I think get a little bit more critical evaluation because they're away from home. Uh, and yet you get run off the floor. In Vegas, you did obviously. You're able to come back and make that somewhat interesting Saturday afternoon. Absolutely not. Uh, Zach Kiefer going to join us around 9 o'clock today. We'll certainly take your calls, 317-239-1070. Uh, any World Cup viewing for you yesterday? I did watch. Um, I turned it on with probably 
Oh, I, I saw the last third of it, probably. Yeah, I think I was um, in the same boat. I, I thought it was entertaining. I thought it was cool. I, I Open disclaimer, I, I'm not like a diehard soccer fan. I have an appreciation for the World Cup. And I found myself kind of rooting for both clu- both countries, as odd as that sounds, because the messy storyline in Argentina is pretty, you know, pretty endearing. And then... I've just I've been to France, so I guess that you know okay. There's a connection, I guess. Um, sometimes if I have no, and I know this is odd, but I said this before, Kevin. Sometimes if I have no rooting interest in a big soccer match like that, I root for the country where I think it would mean more to their people. And for that reason, I found myself leaning towards Argentina. I know that the World Cup is massive in France. Don't get me wrong. But there are a lot of things about the culture of France that are not related to soccer. I, soccer is such a big deal, and Argentina and, and Messi is such a national hero. I, I saw the the aerial footage of Buenos Aires yesterday afternoon. It was pretty incredible. Yeah, pretty I got, amazing. actually have a buddy of mine that's down there right now. He's kind of doing this remote work life and has made his way through Central America, and now he's into South America. And he was taking some videos of just some little kids, Jake, just bawling. Yeah. At the result, just the pure emotion of it all. I thought Mark made a great point last week in that this matchup was like Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes, but strip all the Super Bowls from Brady. Because that's what it is for Messi. Right, right. You know, Messi, and this is it for that Messi. That was the last thing on his resume, right? And again, Jake, I feel this way with the Olympics. The fact that these guys, gals, they only can be on that stage once every four years, yeah. that just puts the weight of a country even more on your shoulders, and think about when we got Brady Mahomes in the Super Bowl a few years ago. How big of a dud was that game? Yeah. And you get Messi and Mbappe yesterday, and it is... I, I, I saw a great tweet. It This is like Jordan, LeBron, Game 7, double OT, and they each have scored like 40 or 50. Mm-hmm. Mbappe has three goals. They both make their penalty kicks. Messi scores the first goal of the game, then comes back, scores the 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 tying goal when it looked like Argentina was just toast. And one thing I appreciated, and Jake, obviously, I'm with you. I'm not some, I, I, I don't know, maybe I have a little bit more of a soccer fandom than, than, than you, but by no means am I going to act like I'm some diehard soccer fan. It seemed like both teams kept attacking the whole way. Like, I, I never felt yeah. like one team was just like, Oh my god! I'd agree with that. We're yeah. gonna back it into the corner. I would agree with that. It, it was, was very like, aggressive. We're going, you know, whatever. Ten guys yeah. towards the goal, and boom, counter down the field. And Argentina's now attacking the other way. I usually judge like sports environments off of how <laughs> Maddie reacts watching. And she was in Barcelona when Spain. She was studying abroad when Spain won the World Cup. So she has a little bit more of like a oh, I, I have some interest in this. I mean, she was going nuts at just the near misses all the chances certainly the penalty kicks create drama it's just rare to get all the hype and then for the game to live up to it i i get a little bit i'm a cynic by nature and that's sometimes a rough way to live but like i was looking at twitter yesterday and during it somebody sent a tweet like what do you think the nfl executives think you know, watching the excitement of this game and seeing everyone interested, in, like they have to hate it. And I'm like, I, I don't know, man. I mean, it's it's the World Cup final, and you're comparing it to the numbers that for the beginning of the first half of the Bears and Eagles game. I, I mean, 
the Super Bowl in the United States, if it came down to that kind of a flurry of a finish, would have the same, you know, I mean, that's that was the Super Bowl, basically. How about this tweet, by the way? I think the NFL's pretty content with how they're doing. Yeah, exactly. Um, this tweet is pretty unbelievable. This is from March 20th of 2015. Now, unless this guy's like the world's best ever doctorer of tweets, he had this as pinned tweet, Jose Miguel Polanco. I'm not even sure where he lives. On March 20th of 2015, did you see this, Kevin? Yeah, I actually did. This is great. He tweeted, December 18th, 2022. And by the way, I went back and looked, and March 15th, or excuse me, March 20th of 2015 was the date when they announced the final the date for the final of the world cup in 2022 in qatar so he put december 18th 2022 34 year old leo messi will win the world cup and become the greatest player of all time check back with me in seven years <laughs> i just i can't imagine the amount of That's pressure solid. he was feeling yesterday the, the kid that tweeted that yeah i know i mean <laughs> incredible yeah nothing like yeah old He's takes like, Man, i should have bet on that uh just knowing that that was Probably, I mean, Messi has he officially announced his retirement from no, international? Not that I, not that I know of. But it, it seemed like this it seemed was it, like it, the way his teammates mobbed him. Sure, when they finally won sure. and everything like that. But uh, yeah, that was a pretty pretty exciting game. Same with Ashley; she was kind of like looking up every so often. But she's like, "Oh my god!" When France scored two goals in the course of like thirty seconds, yeah. she's like, "What is going on?" I'm like, I know. And then it really got intense because then you're like, "Man, this is." This is wild stuff. It was it was very entertaining. Absolutely epic there in the World Cup final. Croatia beats Morocco for the third place game on Saturday. Kind of a bummer of the Pacers weekend, Jake. They played so well for what? Three, three and a half quarters, both of those games. I thought particularly in Cleveland on Friday. I thought that was one of their better performances of the season. Um, but this was an issue last year in closing out games. Yeah. Um, and we saw it flare up not only Friday in Cleveland, but ye- yesterday was certainly the the worst of the two. Um, up six with what, like 90 seconds to go and lose yeah, to the Knicks? Slide down the stretch, right? Um, but it, it, And I think the thing that's disappointing about the Pacers, Kevin, is that we, you know, we had you, me, I mean, the city, the fan base the organization to an extent had basically braced ourselves and accepted to the fact that this is how it was going to be, that there were going to be games where you're like, holy cow, they're unbelievable. And there were going to be games where you're like, what are they doing? But yet they got up to such a good start that you felt like the latter part had been erased. Yeah. And it's starting to, you know, over the course and the rigors of the season, it's starting to show itself a little bit. Now you're 30. Are you worried? I, I gosh, kind of live and die with each game which isn't the most healthy thing for my relationships at, at, at on the home front let me, let me tell you something you have no idea like shannon and i talk about it a lot i mean there was a time where she lived and died with every pacer game and it was like oh my gosh yeah and that's family i mean that's like direct family i can't even imagine that front here i am just well, i am thinking about max it ed- is family max for you, education family. let's not get front. ourselves you know it was, it was one of those where i we went to yuletide last night so i'm sitting there and uh, you know maybe check the phone between an act or two and i'm thinking to myself oh here they are up six with 90 seconds to go this will be an easy win and then check it after yeah. you know hula hoop guy does an unbelievable effort i'm like oh my god what the hell happened i go back and watch it i'm like by the way better yuletide host sandy patty or Frankie Morano, is that how you say? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a big Frankie Moreno. I would agree guy. with you. He feels a little Vegasy, right? Yeah, a little, little Vegasy. 
I think they have a nice touch there with Carol, the older woman that they bring in there. Um, but she no, it was, funny. it was a fun time. And this time of year, just to have those traditions that go with my in-laws every year is always a fun event. Mark, good weekend for you. You were uh, good weekend, yeah. traveling a little south. Uh, so we ended up not doing that. We we, oh. were, we had tickets, and we realized on the tickets it says Monday through Thursday. So we're going to Louisville today after the show. Look at you! Back. I know. So we did Cincinnati on Saturday. So Friday we went to uh, I love Cincinnati. Ru- went up to Noblesville and went to the Ruoff Drive-In Lights. Oh, I didn't realize that I had very that up cool. there. Very cool. Magic of Lights, I believe it's called. It's very cool. There's a dinosaur display that my oldest one absolutely loves. So that was very fun. And then Saturday we did Cincinnati. We did the. Uh, Cincinnati Museum Center. They have a Holiday Junction, which is a bunch of like trains set up throughout the area. That was cool. And then we did the Cincinnati Zoo for their Festival of Lights, and that was fun too. Now, do so, your nice. kids know they live in Indianapolis, or do they just they do? They spend every <laughs> they, they are spoiled. They do a lot of things. I'm just like I didn't do all this stuff when I was a kid. There was about the mileage that you're putting on these cars. I know. Here. Yeah, I know. yeah. Good now, for you. Now, are you getting ready to take seven weeks off? No, no. I'm only taking off next Monday. And Kevin, you're, you I'm going to take really, off a couple days next week. I'm not driving back on Christmas Day night to do this show. Now, what day? So, Kevin, you and what we, days are you off? Yeah, my in-laws, we go uh, down to um, write this down here, just south of the Naples <laughs> yeah, area. Who I'm working with over Christmas, so I'm going to do the show Monday, Tuesday, but then I'll be out Wednesday, Thursday, Friday next week. So it's you two, right? Yep, rounding out the week, yeah. Okay. Now, so, you you know, guys I'm, preview a big Colts Giants game on New Year's Day. Can't wait, man. <laughs> you guys ready for that? That'll be a big one. Well, uh, is, I'm as ready for that as I am to recap the big Colts, Colts Chargers, Chargers right I mean, on, on, on on Monday Night Football. At least, you know, I was thinking about this. At least we get to watch Justin Herbert and Saquon Barkley the next two weeks. Like, if I were going to make a list of NFL players that I want to watch, Herbert and Barkley would be close to the top, if not up. I have, um, without breaking down too much of the game on from. You know, because what is there to break down? I do have coming up for you, Kevin, in about 15, well, 10 minutes or so, uh, a critical Colts question, if you will. I like it. That I want your insight on. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. And check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. 
Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Kevin Inquiry on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Last Christmas, I gave you my heart. And the very next day, you gave it away. Beautiful. That's me with the uh, Alex Golden Podcast, right? That is correct. Thank you. That's pretty good. Unbelievable. <laughs> it's actually Merry Christmas. We, uh, we so we watched what we watched on Saturday afternoon, and then we have to listen to that to yeah. start our week. Uh, yeah, George Michael, by the, the way, Monday morning stocking. George Michael, who is one of the most gifted performers of my lifetime. Can we uh, hear that again, Mark? He, yeah. he unfortunately passed on Christmas Day. By the way, did you know that? I did know that. I mean, were you a baritone at North Central? Uh, I'm a terrible singer. My dad is a phenomenal singer. And let me say this before we get to the Colts news because it kind of ties in. Um, as a matter of fact, I'll just tell you, and then I'll... So, as I've mentioned, my family was at the Yuletide on Saturday during the Colts game. I predicted on Friday that Regent Bryan would mock me for that. Um, and I will say this. My father is in his early 80s. He's of good health. But nice means guy. Well, thank you. Uh, it means the world to my dad. He buys tickets for the entire family uh, to go to Yuletide every year at Christmas. And he, he begins in, like, November by... Letting us know the dates he picked and da 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 da. He is a diehard Colts fan. He picked the this year. He picked the Saturday showing because the Colts would be playing on Sunday, obviously. And two weeks before, or three weeks before Yuletide, they moved the Colts game to Saturday at the time that we we're at Yuletide. Um, a four eight and one team on the road against Minnesota, or going with my family at my father's wishes, who is in his early eighties to Yuletide. I will pick the latter every single day of the week and twice on Sunday or Saturday, depending on whatever day the Colts play. Uh, and if Region Brian, for example, has a problem with that, then I feel bad for Region Brian. Now, I wish I would have come with you guys on Saturday. Well, the Colts would apparently agree with me because. According to Ian Rappaport, Jonathan Taylor has been diagnosed with a high ankle sprain from that was sustained in Saturday's game. Given the 4-9-1 record and the severity of the injury, it is expected he will not play the rest of the year. So, again... That's obvious to me. It, That's of course an absolute no-brainer. Right? Of course it's obvious. It's, it's as obvious as... You have the Yuletide to go to in a 4-8-1 team. I mean, if any variable comes into play at this point, you're going to abstain from it, right? You know, I was going to write this, honestly, win or lose, Jake, I, that Taylor should be shut down for the rest of the season for multiple reasons. For one, this has been an extremely nagging injury that has plagued him now for several months. Um And I think when you're in that building, Jake, you have to think a little bit about the Shaquille Leonard ankle situation. I'm not acting like Jonathan Taylor's is at the severity of Leonard, um, but Leonard has been dealing with ankle issues, you know, for the better part of his entire NFL career. Uh, By no means do you want a running back 
dealing with that. There's absolutely no need, again, win or lose on Saturday, to play Taylor at all again because it's the same ankle that he continues to aggravate. Um, the other question I would have off of that, Jake, is does this impact the contract negotiations with Jonathan Taylor coming up this offseason? By all accounts, he would be due an extension coming up this offseason. He has one more year left on his rookie deal for 2023. If Chris Ballard, assuming he's back, and Zach Kiefer's going to join us at 9 o'clock, and he's got some, I think, fresh Jim Irsay comments on the Ballard front, so we'll talk to him about that. Um, but if you follow kind of the Ballard precedent, rookies that perform well, on that first contract, the extensions come right before the final year of that rookie deal. So for Taylor, that would be this offseason. My answer is yes, this would impact it. What say you? You know, as you know, Kevin, I have said for a while, and I think Jonathan Taylor's a wonderful player, really a phenomenal talent. I, I think that he is a talent at a position that is pretty interchangeable, even as great as he is. In other words, I think that Jonathan Taylor, I look at things this way with every player, which is what percentage of value do I get back for what percentage of cost it would cost me to replace him? In other words, if you are re-signing Jonathan Taylor and he's expecting big-time second contract money, and I have no idea what he would demand per year. I really don't know that. But if you can get running back by committee for 40% the cost that gives you 80% the production, then I think you you go with running back by committee, honestly. Um, I don't know if that means like a sign and trade if you if you try to get something back for I mean if you're going to if you're going to lose Jonathan Taylor or decide not to retain him, you want to try to get something for it because but again, how much would he fetch back? Right. How do 31 other NFL teams view that position? Correct. That's exactly right. Because, I, you know, who right now, who are the three best teams in the league? Bills, Eagles, 49ers, Chiefs. Bills, Eagles, 49ers, Chiefs. Okay. I gave you four. Apologies. Okay. If you can pick from three of those four, yeah. you'd be fine. Tell me the, 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 the star running back. On each of those teams. God, did Naeem Hines score for the Bills he this did. weekend? Mm-hmm. Saw that. Uh, yeah, Devin Singletary, Miles Sanders. And Devin Singletary is also, I mean, they plug him in and out. Oh, right? yeah. He's I, missed some games. Again, I mean, star running back is not, right. is not the phrase to right. use with Christian any of these McCaffrey's guys. Christian McCaffrey's the outlaw yeah, obviously, in that group. Yeah. But again, they got very deep into the playoffs last year with a running back by committee approach and Elijah Mitchell, uh, Raheem Mostert, and some of those guys there. Jake, we had a question a few weeks ago. You know about a generational running back. It's the hardest position, in my opinion, to be generational at because you need so much around you to work out. And again, Father Time gets to that position a lot earlier than it does any others. I I feel the way about running back that I do with big guys in the NBA. I would not commit serious long term money to that position. Now, my question for you, Kevin, is this. We as fans, as media, as natives of Indianapolis are frustrated. I don't know if you'd say, I think there are some that would say embarrassed, but certainly frustrated by this Colts season. It is disingenuous for any of us to pretend that we know Jim Irsay like to the level that like family knows Jim Irsay. We might know him more than... 
a, a fan just because of the access. In your situation, a little bit different because you worked, you know, you were an employee, you were around it. So you've got a pretty good pulse, I think, on moods and tenor, and you're in the building a lot. But there have been moves that have been made this year where Jim Irsay kind of went rogue and went on his own and was like, no, like I'm planting my flag right here. This is the decision we're making. We're going with the younger quarterback. We're going with Jeff Saturday. I'm going with my gut. I'm going with my instinct. I know more about football than people think, and I'm going to prove it now. Does Jim Irsay see what is unfolding before us as any sort of an indictment on his franchise, and is he embarrassed by it, or does he think to himself, there's a method to the madness, and this will actually, there is a goal in sight. Let me start here with Ursay, Jake. Predicting what Jim Ursay is going to do is probably going to lead to a bankrupt bank account for you, if you want to wager on that. Um, you never truly know with Ursay. Never truly know with him. Having said that, um, by the way, what a beautiful sky this morning over Riley Towers. Listen, it looks like cotton candy out my there. My friend Sandy Ward just posted a picture. It's unbelievable of the sky as she's driving to work. Um, boy, I have not seen that in eons, it seems like. Uh, <laughs> just on that, played Jake singing Last Christmas, and look what happened. <laughs> yeah, boy. Yeah. It's a Last Christmas week Christmas, miracle. I gave you my heart. I'm a good singer. I, didn't you just say you were a poor singer 10 minutes ago? You when didn't. I really try, I'm pretty good. Uh, on the Ursay front. I'm terrible. Uh, what pisses him off more than anything is embarrassment. Embarrassment for his franchise. But is he embarrassed? And, and, I, I, how do you not? How are you not embarrassed by the last two games? And again, Jake, this season, and I said this to start off the show, and we can continue this conversation here in the 8 o'clock hour. We'll continue to take your calls, by the way. The season has gone from the most disappointing under his ownership, which dates back to what, 96, 97? To the most embarrassing. It is the most embarrassing cult season that Jim Mersey has been the sole owner for. You go back to the shutout in Jacksonville. You go back to the performance in New England where they had the fewest yards per play in the history of the Indianapolis Colts. You go to last Sunday in Dallas when you get outscored by 33 points in the fourth quarter. The first time an NFL team has done that in 97 years. And then you go 48 hours ago to Saturday and that is the first time in NFL history, 102 years, a team has blown a lead like that. It has gone from disappointing from the fact that, oh, double-digit wins can win the AFC South to obviously 4-9-1. and one. That is very disappointing compared to the preseason expectations. And now it is absolutely embarrassing. And it's embarrassing on national television. Didn't they give up like 112 points to the Saints in one game once? But again, Jake, the, again, and, and those are the one games. Those are the outliers. You can point to yeah, four separate games. Those were anomalies, not patterns. Utter embarrassment. Yeah. And to your point, Jake, the year when they gave up a million to the Saints, 2011, you were supposed to be bad those seasons. You did not think you were going to be bad this year. You've been bad. You're old at quarterback. To me, it's the most embarrassing season that Jim Mercer has had under his watch. And... When that is as apparent as it is to me, I don't see any reason how you can run it back. Having said that, again, we'll talk to Zach Kiefer about this in the 9 o'clock hour. And Jake, you and I were talking about this a little bit yesterday. We can get into it a little bit more throughout the week. His ego, I could see ego-wise him retaining Chris Ballard. Not right. because of the finances, what do, what, Kevin, because what did, of the ego. What did Chris Ballard and, and Jeff Saturday have in common? What they have in common is both of them were given their first opportunity by Jim Irsay 
which means that he went against grain in getting them, and there were guys who had more experience or more name recognition at the time they were. And Ballard came in pretty praised, don't get me wrong. But those are guys that Jim Irsay, their hire is Jim Irsay's stamp, right? To, to, to go away from that is Jim Irsay admitting that one person was incorrect. Jim Irsay. He didn't. He, he couldn't get to the point of firing Ryan Grigson and Chuck Pagano in the same offseason. And that, I think, is concerning. If you want Chris Bauer to go to, that is concerning. When you think he couldn't do that half a dozen years ago, I think that applies to now. Um, but again, uh, this is the lowest point Jim Mercer's Colts have been under his ownership. 8 o'clock hour coming up. Kevin and Corey. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta. Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. The uh, Matt Taylor OGs, I feel like, is a very accurate description in how that second half unfolded. I I can't be the only one. Again, at halftime, I looked at the money line for the Vikings. I think I tweeted out late third quarter. This is going to be a football game in the fourth. Like, it just... What was it at? It was plus 3,500. 10 bucks to win 350. Trust me, I thought about it. I did not. I regretted that I didn't look. I know a lot of people put, I think the Vikings were plus 27 and a half or something like that at that point. A lot of people put money on that. Of course, that was a very easy cover. Uh, but it just, I, I don't know if we have scar tissue from this season, guys, but it just, it felt like that was going to become a football game. And w- w- when Cousins threw the pick, I'm like, okay, that that's it. You know, a team can't come back from 33 down, never happened in NFL history, of course, and throw an interception, and yet they still overcame that. In the end, truly epic. In the end, it it was a colossal collapse, a historic collapse. But in the end, all's well that ends well. Frankly, because had they won that game, what would we be saying this morning? At the ninth in draft position, yeah. Jake. Yeah, I mean, I mean like, as long as you doing? can live with the embarrassment. And again, it's it's not a big section of the fan base, but I think they're 
are some people out there, Jake, that are like, that was so embarrassing. It pisses me off to the nth degree, and I hate that, that now that's going to be brought up every single time you see a team with a big lead. And all the memes on Sunday with the Argentina blowing the lead, I mean, the Colts logo and the Argentina flag. I mean, it was a field day. I want to know, and we can ask Zach this, I would like to know whether or not that particular fashion in which the Colts have lost in a year that has been an utter disappointment for the Colts. We'll ask Zach Kiefer, who joins us now on the Payless Lickers Hotline. Zach, of course, you read his work at The Athletic, one of the premier cover guys for the Colts, uh, he and Stephon Gilmore, I guess. But, Zach, my question for you is this. Does the manner in which the Colts lost that game in any way, shape, or form finally turned the corner of Jim Irsay, you know, who is who was kind of, I thought Jim Irsay has kind of been, apologetics the wrong word, but patient, I guess, with the, in my opinion, self-inflicted ter- turns of this season. But was that the one that finally Jim Irsay's had enough? I, I think so, Jake. I think you're on to something. I don't think you can look at this team any other way than something's broken. Like something is terribly wrong. And and it starts with the head coach and we've talked a lot about that. But like you don't get blown out fifty five to zero in the fourth quarter in two consecutive weeks. That's a combined score, fifty five to zero, unless something is terribly, terribly wrong. And and I think it was obvious before the trip to Minnesota, but it's even more obvious now whether they will admit it or not. This is not an answer. This is not a solution. This is not a coach that's, that's going to be able to fix this. Um, and I did, I did have a story up this morning, and I talked to Jim Mercer recently, and I have to mention that this was before the trip to Minnesota. But Jim Mercer seems to be of the understanding that he wants to bring Chris Ballard back. Um, now, he hasn't gone as far as saying that about Jeff Saturday, but like, don't you guys think there is absolutely no way, no way in the world, like not even 1%, that you can sell a Jeff Saturday coaching hire on a permanent basis. Zach, I want to focus uh, on, on what you just brought up there, your latest. Again, will Colts owner Jim Mercer bring GM uh, Chris Ballard back in 2023? Um just a little snippet of that piece. This is a quote from Ursay to you. I think a lot of Chris, young GMs make mistakes. He's been up against it. The number one component is he's an outstanding talent evaluator. He has this Polian-esque touch in the draft room. There have been some things people don't realize you have to learn as a general manager. You just don't get it overnight. I feel very confident in where we're going. Um, if you don't mind me asking, like, when again, I, I know you said before the Vikings game. Was it after the Cowboys game? Was it in between the Cowboys Vikings game when you had that combo? Yeah, I think so. Um, and and I think that's interesting. Like if you read the quote again, like he mentioned the drafting and there's certainly been some great draft picks. Certainly. But I think the overarching issues right now are, are not necessarily with the draft picks and you can be picky at some of them for sure. They've Chris Bowers never drafted a pass rusher that's had more than six sacks in a season. And we're on six years now. Um, but the reality is, I think Jim Irsay is losing trust in those around him. Whether he'll admit that or not, I think it's obvious in the moves that have been made over the last calendar year, going back to the Carson Wentz decision, that was Jim Irsay. And then moving into this year, the benching of Matt Ryan, that was Jim Irsay. And I can guarantee you, 
the hiring of just Saturday was again a Jim Irsay move. So it feels like he believes in Chris Ballard in some areas, starting with the draft room, but not so much others. And that's going to be fascinating because who's ultimately going to make the decision when it comes to who's the next head coach? I think we all know that answer. And I ask, you know, when that conversation was, because we remember, I think, right before the Washington game, you know, Ursay did kind of the national tour to try and put out some of the fires there of, no, I, I believe in Frank Reich, this and that. And then they have the embarrassing performance in blowing that lead at home to a backup quarterback in Washington, another embarrassing performance in Foxborough, and then Frank Reich's fired. Well, if you look at the Colts the last two weeks, you give up, or you're outscored by 33 in the fourth quarter to Dallas. First time in 97 years an NFL team has done that. And then the first time ever in NFL history, more than a century, that you blow as big of a lead as they did on Saturday. I, it comes to the point, Zach, where I feel like this season has gone from disappointing in the fact that you had the big expectations and you're not sniffing those, and now it's embarrassing. And when you have these embarrassments on national television – Knowing Ursay, and again, Ursay's Ursay, so I probably shouldn't be too, too confident in this, but embarrassing, that's where I think this could teeter in cleaning house. And I, de- I didn't necessarily think he might do that a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I agree 100%. And, and those of us that have worked in this market, they know this can change very, very quickly, very quickly. And it has. And what Jim Ursay says today on December 16th or whatever, it, it won't really matter come January 10th after that Houston Texans game at week 18. That's what really matters is how that process plays out. It's one thing to say it in November and December. It's another thing to actually do it. We've seen this before. He said the same thing about Ryan Grigson back in the 2016 season. He had given no thought of firing them after the season. He made the move. He said the same thing about Frank Reich earlier this season, and then Frank was fired. So absolutely do not take this as a cement proposal that that Hirschfeld is going to be back because owners change their minds. But I think you bring up a really good point. Like, how could you watch the second half of that game and think this team is on the right track? I mean, every fan out there that was brave enough to watch that collapse knows what's wrong and knows this is going nowhere. They're going to have to figure that out, and it, it's messy. And And you guys know this franchise. You've been around it for a long time. I can't think of a time when this, the, the future of this team is as murky as it is right now. You had terrible seasons in 11 and 17 and 19 to a degree, but there was always a built-in excuse. There's no excuse this time other than they've screwed this up. And there's no and young hope at quarterback. Exactly. And, there, and there's no waiting at, there's no number one pick waiting for you in the spring. So who's going to be figuring that out in the coming months? That remains to be seen, but but Jim Irsay does think highly of Chris Ballard. I know that for a fact. Zach, here's my thing. And I want you to tell me if you think that this sentiment might be one that, that is percolating around 56th Street. I, I don't dispute that Chris Ballard is probably a good judge of talent, and I think he's had good draft picks. Evaluating talent and plucking players that you think will be good NFL players is one thing. Figuring out how they mesh with one another to properly build a roster that is symbiotic in terms of all pieces being able to move in one fluid motion is completely another. And the latter is the part where I think Chris Ballard has yet to be able to prove his mettle. I think he's good at evaluating talent. I think he is so far subpar at putting those pieces together to make a perfect jigsaw puzzle. Your thoughts? 
Yeah, here's how I would put it. He's built good rosters, but he's never built a good team, a great team, right? And that's what you need. Um, and, and look, this is not complicated. The quarterback has killed them. It has absolutely killed them the last two years. They swung and missed on Carson Wentz. They swung and missed on Matt Ryan. The offense needed, like Quentin Nelson was just livid in the locker room Saturday afternoon, staring at the floor in disbelief. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't you be in disbelief of what you just witnessed? And he said, we just needed one touchdown in the second half. They had nine offensive possessions, and they didn't get score a single touchdown. And that, how many times have we heard that, like this season? So, um, no, your, your point is valid, Jake, and it's, it's more valid every single game that passes. Like, I do think there's talent on this team. They hung with the Cowboys through three quarters. They could have beat the Eagles, who have one loss in late December. And they could have beat the Vikings, who are a very fraudulent 11-3. and three. But nonetheless, they would have beat the crap out of them if they had finished that game. But this team cannot finish, and they don't have that killer instinct. And they, they just have something missing. There's just something missing. And, and obviously the coaching plays a huge role in it. But the way this team was constructed is just it's, it's so flawed right now, and it's so obvious every single week. When you have huge issues at pass rush, left tackle, and quarterback, you're not going to win in this league. I don't think there's any three positions that are more vital in the way the game is played right now. And they just have continued to miss those positions. See, to me, Chris Ballard's a genius because by just kicking the can and going out and getting another 38-year-old quarterback, if there's even the thought they're going to do that next year, then you're always a year away. Well, you know, you can't evaluate everything because they, you know, they don't have a good young quarterback yet. And next year when they get a quarterback, they're re- you know, they look out and then you just keep recycling and boom, you just bought yourself another uh, year of, of having to pay the rent. I think it's brilliant. Brilliant on his behalf. There, <laughs> right? There's no way. Zach, there, would you agree with this? There is no way he does not draft a quarterback this year in the first round. Yeah, yeah. Don't overcomplicate it. Ursay wants to get a quarterback. I don't want to hear, like... Ursay might, might just mandate franchise. it. Yeah, he might. I mean, why not? Like, I don't want to hear, like, you could screw up your franchise for five years if you pick the wrong guy. Like, that is not going to work. That excuse is not going to work. Yeah, especially it's six time. years in, right? I mean, <laughs> you're going to have a sixth pick or a fifth pick. Like, it's time to roll the dice. It's it's time to, 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 to get in the game and stop sitting on the sidelines. Can Zach Kiefer's with us here from The Athletic. Zach's latest, some great detail in here just on will Colts owner Jim Irsay bring back GM Chris Ballard in 2023. It's a must-read over on The Athletic. Um, I don't know if you saw this report over the weekend Zach, from ESPN, but basically it was the NFL kind of sending a memo to teams around the league about, you know, when you're firing these head coaches and GMs, that money is a gargantuan amount. Part of me is like, who cares? These are owners. It's their money. It's not like it's impacting the salary cap. Do with it what they want to do with it. Uh, and in Jim Irsay's case, uh, the article mentioned that he is now paying Frank Reich $9 million, That is annually for the next four seasons. So math on that front. Jake, help me figure this out after his algebra final went so well mm-hmm. 36 million total for Frank Reich um, do you think in any way shape or form Jim Irsay cares about the finances of potentially firing Chris Ballard in the same year he fires Frank Reich and would have to pay him over the next four years or do you think it's more of an ego thing in that man I just gave these dudes contract extensions 15 months ago I don't want to have to fire and both they're of his them. guys they're guys he picked Right, and then extended. Um, 
Do you think it's more ego or more finance? I think it's something else. I think it's, well, partly, if, if he fires Chris Ballard, that means he's starting completely over. So Jake's point is valid about ego. And I mean, remember what he said, and this is Ursay. This is Ursay. We all know this, but he said, we have the best cube. We have the best head coach GM tandem in the league. That was 15 months ago when he handed out those extensions. Best right, GM hire of the 21st days. century is what he called Ballard. Right. And that's in the story. And, and look, that's typical hyperbole from Ursay. We all understand that everybody in this town knows that. But if he was to move on from his GM, that means he is starting over from scratch for the first time in 2012. That means the last five years has been an abject failure, and that would be him admitting that. So to Jake's point, that's true. I think that's part of it. To your point, KB, about the financials, I'm fascinated by this because that is not a small amount of money, even for Jim Ursay, even for Jim Ursay, $36 million to Frank Reich. You're going to have to pay a new coach. If you chase Jim Harbaugh, you're going to have to pay him a lot more, a lot more than you paid your head coaches when they were hired the first time. Remember, Chuck Pagano got a very measly contract when he was first hired in 2012. He was a coordinator. Frank Reich, same type of thing. Now, their contract extensions were more lucrative. But Jim Mercer does not have a history of paying his coaches a lot when they first arrive here. That's going to be fascinating. And again, who, who's making the decision? How much personnel control does this coach want? All those things go into the contract as well. So it's just going to be interesting because Jim Mercer, the words are one thing, but his actions are going to speak much louder. How frustrated is he? Well, he's going to have to answer that in January when he goes out and finds a new coach. Yeah, again, and I think similar to Gregson and Pagano in that 20-whatever, that would have been after the 2015 season, I just think there was an element of ego where he didn't want to admit he was wrong on both. And there was the emotional tie to Chuck, obviously, and that's why he held on for one more year. Chris Ballard didn't want Chuck Pagano as his head coach, but yet Ursay didn't want to pull the trigger on both of them in that same cycle. I almost have that feeling here with... Ballard in that I don't think he wants to do, but again, maybe the embarrassment of the last two weeks will supersede all yeah. of that, but th- that's kind of where my thought process is. Yeah, that's totally fair, and I've had the same thought, and and you're right, like, maybe Dallas 33-0 in the fourth quarter, and maybe a 36-3 second half in Minnesota changes his mind. Maybe that's enough to push him over the edge and say, it's over. It's done. But maybe it doesn't, and like you said, if if Chris Ballard is back, that means he's leading his fourth different head coach in Indianapolis, assuming it's not Jeff Saturday. And in my opinion, it shouldn't be. That's, that's wild. Four different head coaches for a general manager, Chuck Pagano, Frank Reich, Jeff Saturday, TBD. That is something that not a lot of GMs can say. Now, some will survive that. Howie Roseman was famously banished to the wrong side of the building in Philadelphia. He has come back with a flurry and has the best team in football right now. So it's been done before. It's a little bit um, – it, 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 GMs can do that. Steve Kime has been through a lot of GMs in Arizona. But still, it has to make you think, when are they going to get this right? I've thought about this, Zach. I know this will stun you, Zach Kiefer, but sometimes I overthink things. Um, <laughs> so I want to know – I want you to tell me if I've overthought this. I think that Jim Mersey made a big error this year. He made a big tactical error. And I love Jeff Saturday. I think we all like him as a guy. But where he erred was 
if Jim Mersey truly wanted to find out how much of this year's problem was coaching, then he would have removed Frank Reich and replaced him with a guy that had some sort of a proven acumen as a coach, even on the interim level, because then you would truly be able to have a variable by which to compare and find out just how good your roster is. But now, by putting Jeff Saturday in there, who was learning on the job as well from a head coaching standpoint, we're still left with no greater answer because we still don't know. Is it coaching or is it roster? Because we've gone from a coach that you wanted to remove to replace him with a coach that we don't know how good a coach he is. And now you're double screwed. I like that, Jake. That's really dead on. I've been thinking about that for a couple of weeks. We all like Jeff Saturday, right? It's easy to like him. It's easy to see why he was such a great Colt for all those years. But they set him up to fail. They absolutely set him up to fail. And I don't want to hear about the Raiders game. The Raiders were a mess. And, and that was nothing more than a sugar high in early November. Reality has set in. This team didn't need an ESPN commentator to come in and coach the team. They needed a, a coach who's going to fix the passing game, right? Let's go back to mid-October. The Colts are 3-2-1, and one, and Alec Pierce had just scored a walk-off game winner against the Jaguars. Now let's think about what, what, it, needs, what it needs to take to win the AFC South this year. It's not going to take 11 or 12 wins. It, it might take nine. They were very much in a winnable division, which we knew all along. And what happened the following week after that Jacksonville win? They went to Tennessee, and they got beat. And Jim Mercer panicked. He benched Matt Ryan. He made Sam Ellinger the starter. They lost two more. And he made it worse by firing Frank Reich. Now, I'm not saying Frank should have stayed. I'm not saying the problems weren't there. But to put Jeff Saturday in that position over some other guys who have been head coaches before, in a lot of ways it was a slap in the face, not only to the coaching staff, but to the entire building, it was a very unserious move, in my opinion. And I think, and I'm just guessing here, this is me speculating, I think Jim Irsay thought this was going to be a lauded move. Like, I think the, he thought the fan base would love this. Agree. He the, the players would love I agree. This. And you could tell by Chris Ballard's reaction that night that he didn't love this at all. He didn't want to be in that room at all. And, and as the weeks have gone by, it's kind of interesting to ask the players in the locker room. Like, they're tiptoeing this line, right? Like, they all love Jeff Saturday. He's, he's a great football guy. Like, he is. That doesn't mean he's a head coach. And that doesn't mean you get to skip the line like he did in terms of learning how to coach a team from a head coaching position. And, and these guys will be asked about it. Like, you know, how is Jeff as a coach? And I'll ask these guys in the locker room, and they'll say, man, he's, he's a great leader. You know, he's fiery. He gets after us. But what about the coaching part? And that's not Jeff Saturday's fault. And I'm never going to hold him accountable for that because this is not his fault. This is the people that made the decision above him that put him in this position. And to answer your, your question, Jake, they put him in a terrible position. And if you wanted to find out if Jeff Saturday was really an answer at head coach, this is not how you do it. Yeah, I say thought it was a Hollywood fairy tale that – you know he was doing here. Oh, let's go back to that era. You know of great of great success and exactly. all of that. And then you just watch Jeff on the sidelines on Saturday. It, it's it's always talking to Bubba Ventrone. I mean, it's it's so reliant on others. Which again, to a degree, you understand it, considering where he was coming from. Um, Zach, really appreciate the time and you you know kind of shifting days with us here. Um, I'll, I'll end with this. Just 
Take us inside that locker room on Saturday afternoon. I mean, it's the biggest blown lead in NFL history. Uh, what was the atmosphere like? Yeah, the crazy part, KB, is none of them knew the historical implications. None of them knew it was the biggest collapse in NFL history. And I, I told them that, and I asked them how, how they responded to that. And their answers were muted, and you know, usually it was one word. Paris Campbell called it embarrassing. Julian... Julian Blackman said the same thing. I heard the word ashamed. Quentin Nelson said that was insane, and he didn't mean it in a good way. And and DeForest Buckner is probably the guy that was the most devastated. I mean, he's picking a scab off his knee, his, his leg's bloody, and this dude's playing maybe the best season of his career, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter one iota because this team is absolutely crumbling, and he's just at a loss. Like I asked him, where does this where does this gone wrong? And, and these guys, they don't have an answer. Like, these guys are still playing. Like, I really believe that. You don't go up 33-0 to with a special teams touchdown and a defensive touchdown if you're just coasting into the offseason. But that's maybe the worst part for these guys. Zaire Franklin talked about that. Like, they're putting everything they have on the line, but the infrastructure and the leadership of this team has really sabotaged the end of this season. And that's sad for guys like, you know, Paris is having a great year. Well, a pretty good year, and he's been healthy. And DeForest and Zaire, and it doesn't matter because um, this season just needs to end. Again, Zach's latest, will Colts owner Jim Irsay bring back GM Chris Ballard in 2023? Per usual, a great read on The Athletic from Zach. Uh, Zach, we'll see you out there, uh, I guess, this week. And uh, Merry Christmas to you and the girls. Merry Christmas, guys. Thanks for having me.